Hey, Armstrong and Getty here. And the real estate market is about as crazy as it's ever been. I mean, it's just none of the old rules apply anymore. Everything's different. You gotta, you, you need expert advice. And there will be a new set of new rules next week, too, probably. That's why you have to get great real estate representation, good or bad or mediocre, will no longer do. Give Robert Millward a call. Robert's with Intero Real Estate now at 204-9493. Maybe you're thinking about selling. What's your house worth? Get a good solid number instead of a wild guess. Maybe you're not upside down anymore because, as Jack said, the rules are changing. Who can get approved for a short sale? Who can get approved for a mortgage? Call 204-9493, 204-9493. Talk to the only guy I'd use or go to JoeGettysRealtor.com. That's JoeGettysRealtor.com. The decision is is based on a military decision. It's not meant to be anything more than that. When the president made the decision yesterday, uh, the Secretary of Defense was immediately informed, as were the rest of the national security team. It erodes military readiness and unit cohesion and uh, made the decision based on that. You know, I don't even want to talk about this. I think that's why Trump did it, because I think a giant chunk of America doesn't even want to talk about it, which was made it a political decision, not a military decision in the... Commander-in-Chief should be making military decisions. but So let's talk about why we don't want to talk about talking about it. And I understand what you're saying. You have other questions for Mike Lyons than that, by the way. The excellent Mike Lyons, CBS military analyst, uh, Armstrong and Getty Show favorite, uh, joins us now. Mike, greetings. How are you, sir? Hey, morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Thank you. I I don't know if, uh, if you caught this from the intro. Jack has this theory that I think is absolutely brilliant, that this was a political move designed to force the Democrats off their message of better jobs, better this and that, a better deal, and get back to talking about wedge issues. Yeah, actually, I could see it that way as well. And it also keeps people from the Pentagon talking about it because they don't want to talk about it either. It was basically forced down their throat in year eight of the Obama administration. So in a lot of ways, it it sure is. It's put it back in the political arena where maybe it should be first before we, you know, force the military to do something that, frankly, I don't think our society has dealt with yet either. You know, I think that's an excellent point and one I haven't heard uh, anybody make for reasons that are fairly obvious. But this policy that was rescinded was brand new, and it was an executive order. It was not an act of Congress or anything? That's right. And and okay. uh, I just talked to a guy yesterday that just finished the training on what they're doing and how the process works, and it, it's maddening. Um, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the primary objective of the military, fight and win the nation's wars. It's all about accommodating you know, individuals within the military. I mean, whether people like this or not, you don't have the right to be in the military. It's something uh, that is a privilege, and we get it. You want to volunteer and help out. But, but the bottom line is the military doesn't do each as well. And in this particular situation, to have you join the military and decide to then take you offline for a certain period of time until so you transgender, it just from my perspective as a, as a business person and as a military commander on the ground, it's just a very big distraction. Well, I, to me, it's so clear-cut and obvious. I just I don't even know where to go with the conversation. I mean, it's just that's whatever's best for fighting and winning a war. Do that. That's what I want my taxpayer dollars to do. Right. right. Well, I have it on fairly good authority that the the trend toward the military being a social experiment and/or jobs program, uh, the pressure from Capitol Hill is at times enormous. And uh, and often the people who are in charge of winning our nation's wars chafe under that social pressure 
uh, but they have to, uh, well, they have to do what they have to do. Uh, moving along to to matters of more immediate concern to the nation's security, uh, what do you think of the recent report, uh, New York Times, I believe, that North mm-hmm. Korea is within a year, perhaps, of having a missile that could strike the mainland? Yeah, it's getting closer. I still don't believe they have the accuracy that uh, is required on a reentry vehicle to, uh, let's say, accurately target a major city on the West Coast, which is what their target would be. Still doesn't pose an existential threat to the United States, although it would be devastating to, to lose a major city with millions of casualties. Um, there's a report this morning that the Iranians actually have launched a satellite, so they're actually going to be closer because you've got to have a space program to have an effective ICBM. Uh, the North Koreans really don't have that. They're just going to you know, go on hope and luck uh, for right now. But all these countries are getting closer to this capability of uh, reaching out and touching the United States at some point. Just to reiterate, we've talked about this a number of time, a number of times over the years. You don't think a military solution is as realistic um, with North Korea? Not today, not yet, not without a coalition, not without us evacuating all the Americans from South Korea. There would be no element of surprise for us to do it responsibly. I don't think that we could guarantee them uh, getting everything we need to get in a first strike. I think uh, the way to do that, it'd have to be from within. It'd have to be some kind of uh, inside uh, operation that took him down. But any kind of covert kinetic uh, action just could lead to literally tens of millions of casualties in an an event that we haven't seen since the Second World War. Well, and your point about Iran made moments ago seems uh, rather important and compelling as we fight, as usual in this country, to concentrate on more than one thing at a time. But Mm -hmm. Iran continues to be an enormous threat to stability. Absolutely. And I think that they play the long game. They're not bounded by the politics of our four and eight year uh, presidential cycles. And uh, in 10 years, they could have this capability. They could break it out within one. Um, But that's what they want. And I I, again, I do believe that they want this weapon. So they're not attacked. I'm not saying that they want it so they can go out and attack Israel, because if they do that, they would have uh, virtually be destroyed themselves with fallout that could come back in that direction. But the bottom line is, just like North Korea, as you see, having the weapon, having that capability really keeps another country from attacking or invading you. And that's what their concern is. So we had a guest on yesterday. We were talking about this whole military contractor thing. It's been in the news recently because apparently it was pitched to our commander in chief, the idea of uh, relying more on contractors to find our fight our wars than regular enlisted uh, people. And uh, that Trump was pretty, um, uh, pretty open to that idea. And so we had a guest on yesterday who was pretty anti that move for a number of reasons. And he made the comment that contractors tend to not be very good soldiers. We got a whole bunch of people contacting us saying that's absolutely not the case, and we wondered if maybe you could settle that uh, that question. Yeah, I, I would agree. No, they're great soldiers. What they are are capitalists. I mean, what they get paid to do that job is in excess of uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, whereas before they were getting paid not even half that um, and had to you know eat military you know chow and, and everything that goes along with being in the military. So, no, uh, the, the people that do that are highly selective. Um, they have to be. Um, they, they all rely on each other. It, it's, it's a paramilitary operation. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree that we need to be outsourcing anything forward, you know, perhaps some of the security like we've been doing. But if we get into the mercenary game and start to use contractors for what has been proposed to the Trump organization, we're going to get on a slippery slope. You would have, you know, war crimes being committed by contractors. Uh, it, you know, we're, we're getting to this point in our country where we think, well, just write the check and we'll get this over with. At the end of the day, uh, for defense of our country, you've got to be willing to put your youth in the mud to either take ground, hold ground, 
uh, or, or defend in place. I, I just don't see us writing a check to do that. Well, that writing a check method is exactly what every dying empire does. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the examples from history are aplenty. Yeah, so, exactly. Wow. The Roman Empire. So, and, and to me, I, I, it applies what I'll call NBA mumbo-jumbo techniques to military operations that are tried and true. I, frankly, we did it um, in, in the beginning of the, of the run-up to Iraq in 2003. We didn't have troops there on time. We had to, you know, it was like a just-in-time military. I mean, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that j- the Japanese use in, in their factories to make cars. That's not the kind of way you're supposed to go to war. Mike Lyons, CBS Military Analyst. Great stuff, Mike. We thank you uh, very much. Good to talk to you. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yep, you too. So our guest yesterday, completely wrong on that, which I makes... I think he was overreaching to make his case, which, which makes, people tend to do. Which makes you have to question everything else he said. That's just the way it works. If he's willing to overreach that far on that issue, what else was he overreaching on? Well, I don't I, know. I would like to uh, speak authoritatively that uh, that was the only real area of overreach. The rest of what he said was more or less accurate. <laughs> okay. Actually, I, I do believe that. Having listened to him, mm. I think the rest of his case was was quite defensible, and he just overreached on that. But you know, if you'd like to dispute that, love to hear uh, people of greater expertise than mine. Uh, you can email us or text us or whatever you like. One more thing on the North Korea thing that I thought was interesting because I saw uh, David Sanger, the writer, of this on Charlie Rose last night, and he was talking about how the intelligence community has uh, swung back the other direction, and that's part of why we're where we are today. So for uh, for years. The intelligence community was got beat up pretty good way back in the day for for way underestimating the Soviets' nuclear program, then for way underestimating the Chinese nuclear program. So for a long time, you got fired if you underestimated something, hmm. which led us to a culture of 2003 in the Iraq War. What happened then? I don't remember. Where they way overestimated by a long shot what what Iraq had. From that day on, it was, you get fired if you overestimate things. Oh, so boy. everybody pulled back way the other direction. And, and David Sanger said that ha- is, is finally, that has started finally to swing back and people are getting closer to somewhere in the middle with this whole North Korea thing. They had been underestimating North Korea because the only way you could get fired was overestimating right for the past no, really for, interesting for the past 15 years it's just like any workplace culture just like any workplace culture but because the the, the last crew got in so much trouble <laughs> right you're gonna go way far the other direction oh that reminds me one, one of the things our guest brought up yesterday among the many good points he made uh was the fact that uh, these contractors would probably be under the cia budget and they would be run by the CIA. And we have veered back and forth in this country uh, toward and, and then from, uh, like our hair is on fire, away from the idea of our intelligence services having an army. That they should be an armed branch of America's government. They have a drone program. As opposed to information gatherers, right. And and there are some people who are uncomfortable with that. But the idea that they would be running an army of tens of thousands quite separate from the military is, um, it's it's to me, it's odd and it's troubling. I don't think it should be. Now, should we have spooks who can, uh, you know, stick in the knife in some uh, Moroccan alley when it becomes necessary? Probably so. It's the same thing, I think, when I look at our pug. It's odd and troubling and probably shouldn't be. Interesting point. Anyway. 
<laughs> That's enough of that. That's enough of com- contemplating nuclear holocaust. My wife bought a little Donald Trump outfit for the pug. Oh, my. He's going to dress him up in that oh for boy. the for her Instagram. Oh, my. <laughs> Apparently, you can buy those. You can buy those. It's pretty funny. It's the little hair. It's a little tie. and uh, It's got to be. I trumped my cat was a huge meme for a while. Yeah. Um... How is the Instagram account going? I don't know. I'll have to check in on that. Yeah, I need some. I need to hear some metrics. She's she's glued to the idea of only posting once per day. And I said, Vincent says you got to feed the gram. Well, you got to oh. feed the gram. She she gets mostly complaints that there aren't enough posts. No, but she said I can't live my life worrying about that, which is very true. Oh, I always get that mixed up with Snapchat. So sad. Delaney, Delaney, sad. Delaney sent us a. a, a, a a video on the Snapchat. She's over in Italy hanging out with her her buddy and and her new buddy. Teenage girls all. And they're having a conversation with language. And the video she sent us was her explaining that in America, a rooster says cock-a-doodle-doo. And the resulting laughter. Two 17-year-old Italian girls who were laughing until they were crying. Really? (laughs) That roosters say cock-a-doodle-doo? Yes. And Delaney cracking up and saying, yes, really? Oh, it's hilarious. I wish I had it. I've got the hater map in front of me. What does each state hate the most? It's pretty entertaining. I hate hate, Jack. Mm-hmm. Punch violence in the face. That's, That's right. our motto. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So we'll get to the hater map here in a few minutes. Kind of interesting. There is a, a dating website where they pair people up based on what you hate, which is kind of interesting. And I'm trying to decide whether I think that's a good idea or not. It might be a good idea. Instead of what you both like, what you both hate. I was reading about this. Well, I actually read part of the study that this is based on because it's a high level like academic study on the way communities and people bond over dislike. Yeah. And it's real. Well, I mean, you, we've all observed it in our, our our lives, whether you're racist or hate Nickelback. I mean, there are many examples. Oh, yeah. When you're hanging around with a group of people and you all strike on something that you hate, a sports star, a song, whatever. Sure. It's just it's such a bonding moment. Yeah. How odd. It is odd. The human beast. Fascinating and troubling. <laughs> So, uh, listen, if you just tune in, like, you know, after the 6 o'clock hour, you might not know that for a long time, we would feature as part of Mailbag at 620, 617-ish, depends when we break, um, Chatty Checkout Theater. Speaking of things that many of us hate, it's Chatty Checkout Clerks, and sometimes they're, they're inappropriate conversations. And so we we uh, will occasionally dramatize that sort of interaction for you, uh, but normally it's only people who listen at six fifteen who hear this. And so we thought we would do a very special, especially after you know last segment in which we contemplated uh, horror. Um, we thought we would do a special seven twenty four edition of Chatty Checkout Theater. Michael. Now, unlike Hollywood, if there's an Asian role to be played, we hire an Asian actor. Oh, good. I get to be a fan this time. This is great. Yeah, Sean, you are not starring, as you often do, in Chatty Checkout Theater. I've never been in it. I'm always in the audience. I'm very uncomfortable with this typecasting of a joke. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> well, what? 
So if if we hi, if we have Sean do it, we're racists. Yeah, it's if, whitewashing. If we have you do it because you're Asian. It's typecast. If I do it, it's cultural appropriation. If you do it, it's Clearly. typecasting. Can't win. It's terrible. Here's the setting: a CVS drugstore. I, the customer, am picking up a subscription. Prescription. A subscription. That's right. Do you have my Newsweek? <laughs> I'm sorry, a prescription. I should probably read what I'm supposed to be reading. I'm a 41-year-old male wearing business casual attire. Ah, comfortable yet classy. Business casual. <laughs> Khakis, some sort of docker shoes. Absolutely. The clerk is a 20-something Asian male. Likely English as a second language. Very thick glasses in a lab coat. And we begin. Hi, how are you? Good. You? Good. Long, awkward silence as he stares at me before starting to ring me up. You getting off work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You work 9 to 5? Uh, kinda, yeah. You are Pierce Ear? I gotta say, I'm pretty uncomfortable with his <laughs> accent. I did not coach him. I am pretty uncomfortable all. with his accent. I have not laughed at it for anybody who, uh,. He's paying any attention. You can't Billy Bush me. I have not laughed at this. I disavow. I what? left the room. What? You can't. We're on stage I'm here. I'm playing a part. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. He can interpret the part however he wants. I'm standing and up. shut and, up, by the way. There's a show going I'm on. I'm standing up and leaving the theater in case somebody <laughs> sees me applauding the actors. The audience has totally lost the thread. Where were we? Uh, let's go back to uh, you work nine to five. Uh, kinda. You are pierced ear? Huh? Your ear is pierced? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you wear earrings? <laughs> um, not for a long time. I, I guess I thought it was cool when I was young. You should wear earrings. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think I will. What about for Christmas? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe at Christmas. Ah, and that was Chatty Checkout Theater. That's right. <laughs> it's the most. Oh, don't we all love Christmas? Getting together with our families, the parties, the gifts, wearing earrings. Deciding to wear an earring for the first time since you were 23. <laughs> you should wear earrings. I don't want to. Maybe at Christmas. All right at Christmas. <laughs> now that is hilarious. You don't write fashion advice from CBS employee. <laughs> now you're at living. Oh, I was there. Careful. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Chatty checkout theater. Wow, that is funny. If you uh, don't make stuff up now, it's got to be real, but you can email oh, them to I, I, Armstrong and Getty at yahoo.com. Fully believable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do people uh, tend to hate in Oregon? So you're on this, your dating site, and you fill out right. what you hate, and then they try to pair you together based on things you hate. The number one thing people hate in this dating website in Oregon, spin class. It's kind of interesting. Because <laughs> I think they probably feel like it's too joinery or something like that. Or, or tiring? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody likes cardio. In Washington, it's curing K-cups. <laughs> Washington State, you mean? Or, yeah, Washington or the, State or the district? Uh, is that because they're uh, that's Starbucks territory? They're they're very brand loyal. Could be. And um, oh, what? I don't know. Or, about, or maybe it's because they're clogging up for landfills. I don't, I don't know about spin class, but the people who go to spin class. Right. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, that's what we all mean. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, in California, it's fidget spinners. <laughs> I don't understand a copyright law, and I don't want to know more about it. But, like, I've noticed now, I mentioned the other day, fidget spinners are over. I know that. 
because I got kids in that prime demo. And fidget spinners were the hottest thing ever for a couple of weeks about a month ago, and they're over. My kids, they're laying in a drawer somewhere. They, their friends, nobody mentions it. Nobody Never brings to it be up. fondled again. No. And uh, But so because this guy made a billion dollars in like three weeks off of fidget spinners, there's all these fake fidget spinners coming along. I was at the convenience store the other day, and there was a box of... Uh, spinneroos or something like that looked exactly <laughs> like fidget spinners, but they were like a dollar. Yeah. And I thought, how do you make something that looks exactly like a fidget spinner and get away with that? But apparently you can. Spinneroos. Spinnies or something. It was, wow. So there are all these knockoff versions. And Sorry, you missed the... I, I know you thought that might last a while because that's the way the world used to work, but now, here today, gone today, nobody's going to buy a real fidget spinner or a spinneroo. Well, so grandma might think. Yep. So, I hear these are very popular with the kids. Yeah, they were three weeks ago. Sorry. That's what they're hoping to do is is uh, kind of sweep up after the fidget spinner and get a few bucks off the poor kids who couldn't afford the real thing or uh, grannies who don't realize it's over. Or well, you. why would you? Because in the in the old days, how long is a hula hoop or a frisbee or whatever last? Months, months. 25 years. Years, yes. decades. Right. These things stay popular. Fidget yeah. spinners, oh, about a week and a half. It's amazing. I, I don't know what this is going to do to our brains. Are we going to go through clothes like this at some point? Mm, we're not wearing, me. We're wearing, uh, <laughs> we're wearing wide leg jeans. We're wearing tight leg jeans. We're wearing, we're like, you're wearing wide leg jeans. That's so last Thursday. Right. It's Wednesday. People are wearing tight leg jeans now. Or will it all just become so crazy, so blinding, that we all become more down to earth? There you go. And less resistant to the craze of the day. More independent. I'm Joe Getty. There you go. <laughs> that was really good. More on the uh, the hater map coming up. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? I just want to point out I'm wearing overalls. Overalls are forever. <laughs> mm. Trump's new communications... Put a t-shirt on under those. I can see your nipples. Trump's new communications director, Anthony Scaramucci, taking no prisoners, lashing out at leakers, and it's just been announced there's a new richest man in the world... Oh, really? ...unseating Microsoft's Bill Gates. Oh, look out. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Of course, Bill Gates has been de- dedicated to giving away all of his money. So. Yeah, it's unfair the way they uh, people treat that, since he's trying to become less wealthy, but whatever. Um, what does the state of Colorado hate the most, <laughs> for instance? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the NFL... Uh, boy, wow, that was rough. Lay down some cones, as uh, David Spade would say. We got an accident. Um, the NFL has responded to that uh, study that came out about uh, brains in the tackle football. They got to push back or they're in big, big trouble. So we'll talk to a reporter about that coming up in a little bit. Right now, news with Marsha Phillips. Well, new White House Communications Chief Anthony Scaramucci is deleting a late-night tweet about leaks. The mooch slamming the leak of his financial disclosure from overnight. He called the disclosure a felony. He threatened to ask the FBI to invest, uh, investigate. And Scaramucci tagged Chief of Staff Reince Priebus in his tweet, raising speculation he was blaming Priebus for that leak. This is what the mooch told CNN this morning. We have had odds. We have had differences. When I said we were brothers from the uh, from the podium, that's because we're rough on the some brothers are like Cain and Abel. Other brothers can fight with each other and then get along. I don't know if this is repairable or not. That will be up to the president. So Wow. He threw him under the bus. Because if he, he could have, you know, tagged him and said, oh, no, 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 we're working together on this. That's why I tagged him. 
No, but he did not say that. Wow. Uh, and he, he is accusing Reince of being the leak master general. Well, and he's the new guy, and he said, I don't know if we can work together or not. That's up to the president. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, what was his tweet overnight, and what time of day did he tweet it? Do we know that? He tweeted it He tweeted it late last night, and it had to do with Is political. he a drinker? That I don't know. Don't know. Um, he tweeted about the uh, unauthorized release of one of his disclosure forms that Financial was designed to, yeah, exactly, embarrass him or whatever. Even though it's a public document, was going to come out anyway. But and he said that's a felony. It's not a felony. No. But he's obviously taking the leak thing personally, and he's blaming Reince, and it's on. Wow. Yeah, Politico published it, and it basically dealt with the fact that it, it dealt with how much money he had made from his hedge fund company. How much money had he made? I think it was like four and a half million dollars plus another five million mm-hmm. in salary, and then he's he's just recently sold it. So he uh, he walked away with you know a lot of money, but again he had ran an investment firm. So this, this is no way to run a team. The Ohio State Fair is reopened today. All the rides closed after a deadly accident last night. A row of seats snapped off while the Fireball ride was running at that fair, killing one, seriously injuring seven others. Looked over to the right. Seen the cart flying, two people flying out of seats. It was crazy. The fireball first takes riders 40 feet in the air and then spins them around 13 times per minute. That ride had been inspected a number of times before the accident. In other news, it's just been announced Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Mm. According to Forbes, the Amazon CEO is now worth more than $90 billion after a surge in shares of Amazon early today. I could Whatever. See, I could Whatever. S- I could see him reigning in that spot for a while. Speaking of uh, Trump, Trump now refers to the Washington Post as the Amazon Washington Post. Okay. So I don't know if he's... Uh, um, I think that's supposed to be an insult, or... Uh, or is he taking right? on the now worstest man in the world? Uh, yes. Saying that's... Well, yeah, Bezos has been highly critical of, of Trump, and, and the Washington Post, obviously, is too. I'm not sure Amazon is an epithet these days. Mm. <laughs> Everybody uses it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Amazon is joining Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft in the very exclusive club of U.S. companies worth at least half a trillion dollars. Observers have been speculating Amazon might become the first company worth a trillion dollars, and it's now halfway there. Our uh, little uh, corporation is worth, I think, half a thousand. So we're, you know, we're gaining on them. We're oh. growing. We're, we're getting yes. on the ground floor, investors. One last note. Kid Rock says he's going to be holding off on running for the Senate, at least Uh-oh. for now. What? Yep. Boo! Yep. He says he's, Boo! he's putting his run, his Senate run on hold, and instead he's starting a nonprofit organization to promote voter registration. I wonder what happened. Some sort of focus grouping or a polling? Something. He yeah, is just worried that he, you know, he had a lot of support when he first announced, and then he started thinking, well, maybe I'm just a fresh new news story. So he's pondering still. Okay. Ah, okay. That's your news. I'm Mark. Don't overthink it. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. This is the celebrity age of politics. The time is now. Get in before a Baldwin announces or, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme or somebody. You know, you just got to be the first in. Exactly. MC Hammer. More from the, uh, the hater map. I also have a list of words that died out that should be brought back that's really interesting. Indubitably. That's just, we're on listicles today. Huh? How about celebrity side boob? You oh. want 10, 10 best celebrity side boob picks? 
teeth. Click right here. You won't believe what Marianne from Gilligan's Island looks like now. <laughs> Great. This, this is what we've become. Oh, that's right. Next, we're talking to a reporter about the NFL and uh, fighting back against that uh, brain study. Yeah, okay. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The reviews are in for Chatty Checkout Theater, and it is our most popular episode ever, and there is Oscar buzz for Vincent's portrayal of an Asian with an accent. <laughs> People loved it. Knocked it out of the park, Vincent. Congratulations. <laughs> so yesterday we had the news uh, come out that they, they took a look at, uh, what, a hundred-some NFL brains, and all but one of them had that CTE stuff, so now everybody's buzzing once again about that topic about people bashing their heads together to play tackle football well it's my guess that this topic is not going away anytime soon in fact it will build and build until there are no high school football teams in america anymore perhaps uh with the uh, texas being the lone holdout another prediction alan skaya joins us westwood one correspondent who is reporting on the nfl brain study and the fallout from it hello alan how are you hello i'm doing well now and here in texas you're not going to see you know football practice you know when i when i moved to texas I didn't realize that here in Texas they have midnight madness for football practice, the same way as they do for, for basketball. High schools will have football practice starting at 12.01 the morning that they are allowed to start practicing. Sure, and, and you regularly have games with 10,000, 20,000 people watching them. It's amazing. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, it's, you're, you're right. High school football isn't going anywhere in Texas. Well, tell us about the uh, CTE study. What did it find, and what's the NFL saying? Yeah, this study, it found that almost every brain they studied uh, had uh, some form of uh, uh, CTE. That's uh, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. encephalopathy. And uh, essentially, it, um, it shows that, yeah, repeated hits to the head that, that football players go through it can cause things like dementia. One of the things, though, that, that the authors of this study caution, though, is they're saying that, you know, these brains were donated to us by families of, uh, of former football players who had died. And so this may not be representative of everybody. It's someone whose family noticed a problem, uh, you know, that that they felt like their brain should be studied. Yeah, well, one of the things I thought was interesting, though, is it ranged from you know, positions like running back to punters in lots of different ages. So, I mean, going way back to people who were playing in the 50s to people who were playing fairly res- re- uh, recently in their 20s. Yeah, and that is something that, you know, in the NFL, they, you know, they're trying to get ahead of this again. This is something they've been they've been whipped with, you know, for probably about the past 15 years or so. When uh, people started saying, you know what, football players, they're, they're, they're put at risk for these, for these kinds of injuries, uh, and they're more likely to have some form of dementia down the line. And the NFL has come out with a statement saying, listen, we've made almost 50 changes to the rules over the past 15, year, or past 15 years, and we've also pledged millions and millions of dollars to support research to try to make the game safer for, 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 for these athletes. And so, yeah, the NFL is coming out and saying, you know, we want it. We want to stop this from from 
from continuing. We, we want people after their careers, we want them to have fulfilling lives. Right, and they're essentially putting a concussion police on the sidelines, too. They have doctors looking for any sign. You don't have to go to them saying, hey, I got my bell rung. They're going to come to you and say, you took a blow to the head, you come over here, But I've from heard, what I understand. I've heard from players interviewed, though, they know that. So you come off the sideline and say your shoulder hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So that you don't if have to you're go through that a little bit. bit. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, Alan Sky, Westwood One correspondent. Alan, uh, appreciate the report. Thanks. You bet. Glad to do it. Yep. And if you come off the sideline, because I've heard players, uh, if you if you uh, if you come off the sideline, well, first of all, you try to act not act like you're hurt, not be hurt. Play when you're hurt if you can, because there's a guy behind you that really wants to play. Right. And he's big and fast and wants the job. Yeah. Uh huh. And if you're a guy that gets hurt a lot, sorry, you're done. Going to go with that guy. Because most of, most of the players, we focus on the stars, but the vast majority of the players are just cogs come in and out. Sure. Get the hell beat out of them. Yeah, Make so you, a few dollars. So you claim your shoulder hurts. That's why you're in the sidelines and you can't see anything or think. So that's how you get around that. And we've learned, I mean, this is the emphasis you put on it. It's not the concussions. It's the it's a repetitive bang, 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 bang. So, right, from the you time know, you're a kid on. You catch the concussions, but you're not doing anything about that. Yeah, yeah. And they're both bad. I mean, it's it's better to to deal with the concussion thing because a second concussion in quick succession really messes up your brain. So it's good they're dealing with that. That's just not the whole picture. I just wonder how many stars are going to get out of the sport early. You know, football players are, if you don't mind a transition, a lot, in answer to your question, a lot. We're already seeing it. We're going to see even more guys say, this is not worth it. And and that's funny that one of the things I was going to point out is the average NFL career, I think, is is it three years at this point? Three and a half years. It was four for a long time. Um, and these guys, uh, the league minimum. What is the NFL league minimum, Sean? Is it? I will find out. It's like 200K, something like that. Is it that high? Perfect example of why uh, tax law is stupid and unjust in America. You got a guy who comes out of college. He's got to, he's almost certainly no money. He's going to make $200,000. And so, well, he's the rich, so the government takes half of his money. Three years later, he doesn't have a freaking job. He, the last thing he is is rich. Maybe he saved a little money, maybe not. Now he's got to go down to his local car dealer or try to find a gig or whatever. He's a big hulking guy with a bad knee who now has to get a job selling insurance. And the idea that because you have a couple of good years, you are, quote, unquote, the rich, and the government should have half your money, is, it's, a, it's obscene. Doesn't make much sense. So the minimum salary scales based on year, but it looks like it starts somewhere around four hundred thousand. But also four hundred now. Wow. But also keep in mind that the unlike the other major sports, the NFL contracts are not guaranteed. If you get injured, you lose the remainder of your contract if the team cuts you or right, you you're part done. ways for any, Which for any is reason. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you can get disability insurance. It's probably rather high, rather expensive, the premiums. But for colleges and high school, and then especially you get to high school and junior high and then pop yeah, Warner or whatever. you need to be talking about, really. Yeah, you get to the uh, amateurs under under adult decision-making age. I, I don't see how that go for, goes forward in our litigious society. I mean, if you can't, if there are towns without swimming pools or swimming pools without diving boards in various towns, if we have to take down so much playground equipment. Right. Where Where's your uh, local teeter-totter gone? Or do you say seesaw? If you can't have playground equipment where one kid gets hurt every decade right. in the entire country, how are you going to have people bashing their heads into each other where we know that that's bad for you? I just Or certainly can be. From a liability standpoint. I just can't see how it continues. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very cold-hearted and practical way to look at it, which is exactly the way to look at it. But um, 
just participation rates will have to drop. I mean, there will be um, there will be more studies and more definitive studies that nail it down better. What's doing the damage? What percentage of kids or young men are hurt by it and in what way? And the more information is available. And I actually heard a uh, who was it? It's an NFL guy, black guy, was talking about this uh, the other day, and uh, it matters his race because he said, you know, I see the NFL is at 80% black, and it's going to be, you know, 85, 90% soon, partly because of this traumatic brain thing, you know, information not as good in the community, blah, 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 and it's going to become, the, these young black men are going to be cannon fodder for edu- for uh, entertainment. Uh, because they don't know better, that's or they absolutely. need the money, or et cetera, et cetera. So that's absolutely what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the way it's boxing has been for forever. Very few upper middle class people decide to become coal miners, for instance. Mm-hmm. Those are the dangers of that. And so, yeah. Well, right, boxing is a great example of it. But we'll see. I do like the football, although it's getting harder and harder to root for the NFL for me. I don't, I, know. I don't know if I'll ever have to make this decision because who knows? My kids will be interested in football, but my eldest kid is. Clearly going to be on the on the the bigger side, and um, if he wants to play football, man, I, I think it's a terrible idea. If I if I completely have my choice, no, play some other sport. Put a bat in his hand. Teach him to swing up a little bit. That's the new trend in baseball: home runs, wrestle, tennis, swim, whatever. Not bashing your head into something over and over and over again. But I don't know. We'll see. There, like you said, there'll be a lot more information out in a few years. It'll be interesting to observe. Just the, the way the the way the lawyers have choked the fun out of things in, in that are ridiculous. Oh yeah, they're not the least bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. So, more from the hate list coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.